0: Tinturn Abbey. If Shelley quotes Wordsworth, we read Wordsworth. Tintern Abbey is a lovely poem, and long. I will excerpt and explain for you the part from which Shelley draws her quoted lines, happily a part that is a favorite part of mine and that I've taught to my students. I'll read it to you once, then explain it, and then read it again. If I do it right, the second experience should be very different, so bear with me. Nature then, the coarser pleasures of my boyish days and their glad animal movements all gone by, to me was all in all. I cannot paint what then I was. The sounding cataract haunted me like a passion. The tall rock, the mountain, and the deep and gloomy wood, their colors and their forms, were then to me an appetite, a feeling and a love that had no need of a remoter charm by thought supplied, not any interest unborrowed from the eye. That time is past, and all its aching joys are now no more, and all its dizzy raptures. Not for this faint eye, nor mourn, nor murmur, other gifts have followed, For such loss I would believe abundant recompense. For I have learned to look on nature, not as in the hour of thoughtless youth, but hearing oftentimes the still, sad music of humanity, nor harsh, nor grating, though of ample power to chasten and subdue. And I have felt a presence that disturbs me with the joy of elevated thoughts, a sense sublime of something far more deeply interfused, whose dwelling is the light of setting suns, and the round ocean, and the living air, and the blue sky, and in the mind of man, a motion and a spirit that impels all thinking things, all objects of all thought, and rolls through all things. Therefore am I still a lover of the meadows and the woods and mountains, and of all that we behold from this green earth, of all the mighty world of eye and ear, both what they half-create and what perceive. Well pleased to recognize in nature and the language of the sense the anchor of my purest thoughts, the nurse, the guide, the guardian of my heart, and soul of all my moral being. Okay, a few words about that. He begins by talking about the way he experienced nature in his boyish days, with its glad animal movements, suggesting a time of spontaneous, unbridled, unselfconscious joy. In his youth, he experienced the beauty of nature as an appetite, unconnected with any interest unborrowed from the eye, or in other words, with any thought or abstract meaning, He enjoyed nature as a pleasurable end in itself that filled him with an aching joy and a dizzy rapture. As an adult, he has lost the capacity for that pure and unaffected connection, but he does not regret the loss. For now, nature inspires in him elevated thoughts and a sense of the sublime. Nature has become for him, he says, the anchor of his purest thoughts, the nurse, the guide, the guardian of his heart and soul of all his moral being. In other words, this poem is about a child's blissful, unworldly, pure enjoyment of nature in and of itself, and then his later mature enjoyment of it, as it becomes infused with complex and spiritual meaning— For Wordsworth, it's something even stronger still. Nature is, for him, religion. But what I have expressed is the form in which I relate to his more zealous view. All right, with those explanatory words as background, let me read it to you again. Nature then, the coarser pleasures of my boyish days and their glad animal movements all gone by, to me was all in all. I cannot paint what then I was. The sounding cataract haunted me like a passion. The tall rock, the mountain, and the deep and gloomy wood, their colors and their forms, were then to me an appetite, a feeling and a love that had no need of a remoter charm by thought supplied, not any interest unborrowed from the eye. That time is past. And all its aching joys are now no more, And all its dizzy raptures. Not for this faint eye, nor mourn, nor murmur, Other gifts have followed. For such loss I would believe abundant recompense. For I have learned to look on nature, Not as in the hour of thoughtless youth, But hearing oftentimes the still sad music of humanity, nor harsh, nor grating, though of ample power to chasten and subdue. And I have felt a presence that disturbs me with the joy of elevated thoughts, a sense sublime of something far more deeply interfused, whose dwelling is the light of setting suns, and the round ocean, and the living air, and the blue sky, and in the mind of man a motion and a spirit that impels all thinking things, all objects of all thought, and rolls through all things. Therefore am I still a lover of the meadows and the woods and mountains, and of all that we behold from this green earth, of all the mighty world of eye and ear, both what they half-create and what perceive." well pleased to recognize in nature and the language of the sense, the anchor of my purest thoughts, the nurse, the guide, the guardian of my heart, and soul of all my moral being. As one who relishes the natural scenery of the English countryside, there is a way in which I relate to the mature experience here described— My enjoyment is not of those scenes as ends in themselves. I imbue them with my own meaning. Perhaps this will help you to conceptualize in what manner you do that too.